This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour. Back again with you guys for another show for another episode of our TGT podcast. You may have noticed a slight change to our aesthetics for this season. Of course, we've released our third kit quicker than the club has. Uh, that's pretty much how we run these days. Is Arsenal are so slow that their fan channels are releasing the colours of their third kit before they are. We might even announce a new transfer before they do. Um, but before we get into today's podcast, as is with this week, our shows are being sponsored by the Arsenal Review and specifically their Pick Your Team game. The link for this is in the description. All you need to do is pick your team. What you might want to do is you might want to go to your left wing position and pick any other player other than Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. But we will, of course, come on to that very, very soon. And I think we can all agree we would like to see Bakayo Saka starting as soon as possible, if I can even find him. Here he is. And you can pick your team, and uh, it's like fantasy football, except you don't have to worry about researching all of that stuff regarding kind of every other team in the league. You just need to know your Arsenal, or rather, you just need to try and predict what lineup Mikel Arteta is going to pick for each game, if it indeed is Mikel Arteta in every single game going through this season. And you get points for the amount of players that you get right, and you can win some big prizes, including the grand prize of £1,000. So please make sure you go check it out. Link is in the description for Pick Your Team from the Arsenal Review. So make sure you go and check it out. But without further ado, let's introduce to you my guest for today. First off, I hope he stopped smoking because he's going to be on the show now. It's Aaron. How you doing, mate? Are you well? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's always like a... I, see, I, I just continue to smoke on, on the Gunners podcast. And when we start, <laughs> it's always like a throwback to the 1990s uh, with stars in your eyes. You know, like tonight, Matthew, and the smoke appears, and then God knows what people see. But yeah, no, keep it good, man. As good as you can be under the circumstances, but I'm sure we're going to vent some frustrations and, and throw out some controversial opinions throughout this the next hour or so. So I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's, it's finding it nice that uh, David Ormstein waits for our show, just, you know, drop some big exclusive story just before we go live so we can talk about it. 
which is we're very appreciative of that, David, and uh, respect. Uh, we've bringing our second guest. It's John. How you doing, mate? Are you well? Yeah, doing good. Doing good. Thanks for having me on again. This is uh, can't wait for the season to start. It's uh, it's <laughs> uh, oh, I, I, I cannot wait. It's 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 absolutely fantastic. It's just good times. Everyone's feeling good. Everyone's excited and pumped for the season and really optimistic. I can't I can't do that anymore. So yeah, um, hopefully we make it through uh, with you know our livers intact. Yeah, fingers, fingers crossed, uh, especially the youngins who uh, hopefully haven't come into contact with it as much as they should have done. I, <laughs> it's times like this, I think of like, you know, the, the club's always getting new fans and I'm wondering like who is just, this is their first season supporting Arsenal. <laughs> like I'm just wondering, there's got to be some out there. Can you there. imagine being, this being your first season? <laughs> like, yeah, we're all, you know, on, let's make it worse. Can you imagine two seasons ago when we first finished eight yeah. being your first? Yeah, and you've already, you've already made the decision. You've already bought the kits. Like you're already in it. Like you're screwed. So here the we are. Is, like, it's probably, you probably, I mean, let's be real. No one's watching Arsenal the last three years and saying, yes, I'm, I'm going to pick Arsenal for the way they played. No one's picking that. So it's probably because of your parents. And after that first season, two years, ago your parents probably turned to you and said look don't worry so and so let's for the sake of it call him drew little drew um <laughs> you it's not going to be as bad as this don't worry next year we'll be better and we finished eighth again so <laughs> imagine your first two years of supporting arsenal being that bad and then you know this season comes around but it's going to be fine because you know we're selling really promising youngsters for 20 million pounds and no one's annoyed about it whatsoever anyway let's bring in our third guest who i've tactfully left to last so he can kind of you know compose himself have a little bit of a smile on his face when he enters the room. Let's see if it's worked. It, it hey. just about has. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> doing well? You're good, son. You're muted. Oh, great. Still I muted. love that you continue to speak even though you're muted. Like, <laughs> there you go. He's found it. Every right. time. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm good. Like I said, I uh, it was good you let me go last to compose myself. That was really important for this upcoming episode. So, <laughs> yeah, good, good to be back. And hey, everybody in the chat, thanks for joining us as always. Always appreciate you guys. So, yes, yeah. our fourth welcome does indeed go to everyone in the chat box. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, a lot of you joined us after the Spurs game. Uh, in fact, at one point, we had 1,111 live listeners, which is just, I don't know if that's some kind of, you know, it's, it's, a, it's full bearing of our first place finish, which is clearly going to happen in the upcoming season. Yeah. Uh, first to, to sixth, uh, maybe what we end up doing, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyway, there is a lot to talk about. We have obviously had a preseason, our last preseason game. We've got the Brentford game coming up in the start of the Premier League season. However, it would be a little bit misplaced of me if we didn't open up with the breaking news, which only did break a few moments ago, courtesy of David Ormstein of The Athletic who reported that Newcastle have reached an agreement with Arsenal to sign Joe Willock for a figure that is set to be in excess of £20 million. We had a little bit of a brief kind of reaction to this off-air uh, before we kind of went live, and I wanted to save kind of the juicy stuff for this so you could, of course, listen to it. But I think the overriding feeling amongst us is one of a little bit of the uh, the classic uh, chuckling at the overreaction, as we like to do. John, I'm going to start with you. How do mm -hmm. you feel about this situation? Uh, so I, I feel okay. I feel good about it. All right, twenty million pounds for a player like Willie, uh, and especially if it's in excess of twenty million, I think is a great return for him. 
Um, the problem that I, and I get the kind of hesitance that a lot of people have to celebrate that figure because we just sold Martinez um, in like a similar kind of vein where you have a player who is performing well for a short period of time and then yeah. turns into one of the most solid players in the league right now and in international football as well, just winning some major international trophies. So I get why we have a little bit of PTSD with respect to selling young players who start doing well. Um, that being said, do and I would pose this question to people: Do you really think we're in a position to scoff at twenty million pounds for a young player that is, if if you would believe, not in the plans for the manager going forward? I don't think you can really be upset about that. I mean, let me rephrase that: As an Arsenal fan, you could uh, clearly, I've learned, be upset about absolutely everything um, and anything. So uh, I get it, but I, I, at this point in time where we're trying to maybe make some moves in the window, I think that's a good injection of cash that we need in an important time. So I'm okay with it. Let me just read quickly what they've said, because one of the parts of the article is why are Arsenal letting him go? And David Ornstein, uh, Chris uh, War, and uh, James McNicholas, who have written the story, have said that historically, Arsenal have been guilty of holding on to players for too long before letting them go. In the case of Joe Willock, they have sought to make a decision early. I, I do question that word early, as we sit here it's on the 8th of early. August, um, while the player's value is at a premium. Although Willock has been incredibly impressive for Newcastle, Arsenal have effectively decided that this is kind of his prime opportunity to cash in on the player who mm -hmm. exceeded expectations during last season's loan spell at St. James's Park. And I mean, I suppose that's a good point to follow on to the question is what a lot of people are worried about is seeing him not only exceed those expectations, but for those supposed exceeded expectations to actually be the reality and for him to kind of continue in the vein that he had done at the end of his time with Newcastle on loan last season. Are you expectant of him to, you know, he got eight, go eight goals in eight games in a row is that a realistic expectation to see that continue? And if it does, how are you going to feel about it? Um, well, to start off, I, th I, think, I think it's completely unrealistic to think that he would continue in that much of a prolific form for any sustained period of time. I think when you look at his conversion rate, it was something absolutely insane and is no way sustainable. Um, second of all, in terms of... Uh, you know what what he could go on to do at newcastle i actually think that he could do relatively well at newcastle but what i will say is you have to put into context just because he does well at newcastle doesn't mean he would have done well at arsenal and and i often especially at this moment in time don't have a lot of sympathy for the management team um, and the decision makers at arsenal but i do with this one because all you can do is operate off the sample size that you have of each individual player and for Joe Willock over the past three to four seasons, he just has been below par the entire time. He's, he's been decent in glimpses like we've seen in the preseason game where he came off the bench and, and scored a goal that wasn't a goal against Chelsea. But yet, yet again, throughout that, you can see the exact reason why he wouldn't work at Arsenal because his fundamentals of the game, his passing ability, his dribbling ability are just slightly subpar to what is expected of somebody who plays in his position at Arsenal. I'm really not sure whether he is an, a number eight or whether he's a number 10 or what. I'm not sure how he fits into either of those positions at a team like Arsenal who want to be a possession-based side. Um, so look, it, it, I think this is a fantastic bit of business. Okay, On one hand, we can't turn around and say that 
uh, Arsenal should take a cut price offer for Granit Xhaka because we need to buy players. And then on the other hand, turn around and say, oh, well, 20 million isn't enough for a player who had seven or eight good games. You know, especially at such a, a heavily impacted market that we're that we're living in at the minute, twenty million is a fantastic price. We're seeing some of the prices that players are moving on, moving for around the continent. We're seeing prices that some of the players are being quoted for domestically in the Premier League. So, I think to to expect any more than twenty twenty five million for for a player of Joe Willock is 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 I think your heads in the in the stars a bit. Can I, uh, yeah, really quick. On, very, uh, the, very quickly, just, very just quickly. this super chat. Wayne the, says, says, bye, Joe, finally. Take the money and run. He'll be worth that again. He's just not good enough. 23 days left in the window. No need to panic. Very quick point. I just hope we put on a – there was a good sell-on clause. That's all, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Or a buyback I mean, or something. something. Of late. They have put in these sell-on clauses. They've done it with uh, McGuinness. They did it with a couple of the other players that left on, on a free. Uh, I believe there's there's some inserted into possible options to buy on the loan deals we've seen too. Hopefully, there is one. Um, I mean, some people have asked for a buyback clause, but I, I doubt you'd get a figure of 20 million plus with a buyback clause inserted into it, to be honest. Drew... Let loose, my friend. Uh, unleash hell, <laughs> if you if you like, on those that are obviously thinking this is not necessarily a good idea. I know that this situation has frustrated you, and the reaction to it has as such as well. When don't reactions frustrate me? That's the better question. No, I think Owen summed up most of what I wanted to say, so thank you, Owen, for sparing my blood pressure. Um, no, but essentially for me, I, I look at it like this. I think it was... The previous season, so 1920, Willock made 30 Premier League appearances, but he only logged 840 minutes. And despite scoring three and five in the Europa League last season, he still was loaned out. So that should kind of tell you all you need to know about it. Like he, it's easy, and I kind of spoke about this last season multiple times. It's easy to perform and no disrespect against Dundalk and you know the likes of Molde and that. It's not the Premier League. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's just no offense, <laughs> but but it's not it's not the same. Tell thing. that to Aubameyang, though. No. Fair point. Um, and the other <laughs> thing is, and, and Owen alluded to it, is Newcastle play a brand of football that suits Willock. And and also to Owen's point, he scored eight goals on thirteen shots in this loan period. That would put him as being the most efficient finisher in Europe. That's not sustainable. So you can expect that to continue at Newcastle. Um, we don't know what you know Steve Bruce has in store for him there tackling. I don't know, but he clearly fit what they wanted to do much closer than what Arteta is planning for us moving forward or at current. So for me, I view it as a win for the academy. You're selling an academy product for, for a good chunk of change. He didn't really have a future here. Why persist? We kind of need the funds. I don't look at it in comparison to the the Xhaka situation because it looks on like one-third of Xhaka's wages. Um, and he has upside for a team looking to build moving forward in Newcastle. They want a younger asset. Chaka is in a situation where any club is going to want him has been ruined financially from COVID. So they have to weigh the benefit of that or, or, or the cost of the fact that he's going to be on. He's going to want equal wages, if not higher wages. So they're not going to want to afford the wages plus the chances for that we're going to want. Hence why we backed out of the Roma situation and why we're more willing to sell Willock. You got to get rid of something. And with all respect to Willock, Jacka does bring you that experience and leadership qualities that he doesn't really have. And again, as Owen said, we don't know what Willock is going to become in terms of how he'd work under a 10. I, I don't think he would have worked as a 10. And if he was, he'd, then he'd be back up to Smithrow. And he's not going to start in the midfield anyway above uh, Jacka or if it Partey 
even Latanga at this point. So you know, he's in a period in his career where he needs to go start. He needs matches, and, and we needed to bank cash. So I'm, I'm really quite fine with that. I don't understand people saying that we should we should have gotten more in a healthier market. We could have demanded more. I, I would agree, but given the lay of the land, 20 million is, is is a win for me. So I agree with John there as well. You kind of just take it and run. Um, and hopefully that brings us closer to maybe doing another deal um, that we've been tracking, whether if that's, you know, something for Madison or something for Odegaard or, or, or whoever it might be, you know, there could be an end to the means for it. Sacrifice Willock to, to bring in somebody who's immeasurably better than Willock and that would actually improve us if that player had to go running. For me, I think it's, it's, there's no bad thing about the deal. Even if we don't have a, I mean, I would prefer like a sell on or a buyback, but if we don't have it, not gonna be that sad either, but that would be ideal. But I just think it's time to part ways. You can't always hang on to every academy product. And I've been saying that forever with this fan base. Like it's unrealistic to think that every academy product is going to make it at this club. Most of them are going to get sold or they're going to move on in a free or they don't sign a new deal or whatever it might be. So for Willock, I, you know, I think he's, he did incredibly well when he got the chance at Newcastle and it's now it's gotten him a full move to, to a club that might build around him moving forward. And if he does go on to do good things then all the more power to him. Yeah, and see, see something that you mentioned there as well, Drew, was um, what Steve Steve Bruce will have in plan for him. And that's the thing as Arsenal fans, I think that we are going to struggle to wrap our heads around in terms of our squad for this season, is that this is for the first time in however many years that we have absolutely no European football. And cast your mind back to the beginning of last season, the fact that we had a squad that we couldn't even register all of our, our senior players for competitions. So we had a big squad as it was with European football. Now cut those however many fixtures out of it as well, which players like Joe Willock would be regularly given his opportunities in, like the Europa League. Uh, Now, if you remove them completely, you have to ask yourself, well, where does Joe Willock's place lie within Arsenal's team? For me, he's absolutely nowhere near the starting 11 at the minute with the players that we have, never mind any additions that we expect to bring in. Uh, and then you have to ask yourself, well, what would his role be? Some people suggest the fact that he does come off the bench and he does score goals well. Well, that's fine, but not when it's somebody who, as we have seen, is proven to be your most valuable and sellable asset in this transfer window at a time when money is so scarce. So I think to sit and say that he's just going to be a super sub to come off the bench and score goals would just be completely bad business. And we have done nothing but ridicule Arsenal for the lack of business that we have done <laughs> over years to come. And and finally, they seem to be doing a decent bit of business. What this, I would put this in the same bracket as, as the Alex Iwobi deal for me. That's It's a similar type of sale for me. And, and if you look back as well, um, uh, at last season with the Emmy Martinez, we've got the benefit of hindsight. But if you were to ask anybody last season whether selling Emmy Martinez gets us Thomas Partey, everyone would have said sell him in a heartbeat. And f- for me right now, if I was to offer out to anybody in the chat or anybody listening, if we were to sell Joe Willock and get James Madison or Bernardo Silva, would you take it? And that's the reality of the situation. If we want those types of names, we have to make sales like this. I agree with you 100%. And I think that's that's for me is the crux of this is that Selling Joe Willock in excess of £20 million, is it a good decision? Yes, but only with the caveat, and there's your first caveat of the evening, um, of us obviously bringing in a James Madison or a Bernardo Silva or someone that's going to add in that area. If we sell Joe Willock and don't do anything, 
That's when I have my concerns because we do need the depth in that area. Having someone who can come off the bench and score goals is important. And I just think that that is, is part of this. I did ask you guys in the chat box what you think. Prepare yourselves. There is some varying levels of responses we've seen. Paul Geyer says that £20 million figure is a joke. Incompetence to the highest degree. Arteta just doesn't know how to get the best out of him. Joke of a club. Jay Purdy, though, says yes, it is the right decision. So does B have. Uh, Andy Love says, uh, hopefully we have a buyback and a sell-on clause. I think you're wishful thinking for both of those. Uh, Annick says, Edu and Arteta need to go. We were pathetic today against the scum. Can't see any improvement happening before Brentford. Uh, let's try and get a couple more uh, about that specifically. L says, at the end of the day, would you rather take the risk and keep Willock hoping he continues form or obviously use that money and fund a Madison-type deal. Uh, I know that Vinny, one of our members, is not particularly happy about this. Uh, Vinny joined just yesterday on our uh, phone-in show. Uh, Vinny says, 20 million is a pathetic return for a goal-scoring homegrown midfielder. Liverpool sold Brewster for around 20 million pounds. If we don't make a signing with that money, Edu can seriously bugger off. Annoyed. Um, in my response to that, Vinny, and I know and I respect your views on things because you're one of them, not because you're one of our members and you pay me, um, but specifically because of you, you've been on the show and you've raised some solid points. I think when it comes down to the idea of comparing this to Brewster, I don't think it's a fair comparison. One, because that was kind of a situation where Liverpool are perceived as a much better selling club than Arsenal. So you've already got that. They don't sell cheaply and they don't have to sell cheaply because they've sold so well in the past that they're very financially viable right now. We are later now in the pandemic, of course, as well. And the effects of that have had a greater and longer impact on Arsenal too. So there, there is lots of things to consider as to why there is a difference. I also think that Shepherd United were morons paying that amount of money for Rian Brewster as well. So you have to factor that in too. Um, one of the comments said uh, that they don't feel like we're going to improve that much between now and Brentford. And the result today, of course, wasn't that great. Whether you saw the game or not, pre-season's been very kind of uninspiring is probably the word that I would use to describe it. Now, a lot of people did raise the point that before the Invincible season, our pre-season that year was horrific also. So you, do you Drew, think that's the same? <laughs> Do you think? Do you think that no, that's no, the same? No, no, is no, that no, a fair this, comparison? This is where I'm, <laughs> is where I'm building my point to my yeah, question. It's like someone posted. I think Drew was it? Drew was it you that posted like uh, like uh, Bayern Munich's losing in the preseason? I'm going well. Like they, so Bayern Munich, according to Drew, are getting relegated. That's what we should take from uh, from his tweet. Drew, I was going to ask you how much. How much does it mean? How much does the preseason mean as a whole? And how much does kind of the the issues that we saw in today's game, which for me the biggest one was a lack of creating clear-cut chances to, despite dominating a lot of the possession during periods of the match. How much of a problem is that going into the new season? I mean, I think it already kind of reinforces the things we knew, both positive and negative. You know, we know that we struggle to create consistent chances, and we know that we're likely going to have to solve that with adding another player, which is hardly unprecedented because lots of teams go out and buy things they need if they can't fix it internally. So... That's why I'm not really freaking out about the result. I mean, if I look across preseason as a whole, not just today in context, you know, we when we played Hibs and Rangers, both of them were weeks ahead in their preparations for the season. So those are already difficult by default. Rangers isn't exactly a bad side anyway. You know, and if VAR was functioning, we drew Chelsea. And then we now we lost the Spurs. So I don't look at preseason as doom and gloom. I never look at preseason results. I don't care. And I use the Bayern example, not just because they haven't won a preseason match, just because – 
their whole thought for preseason was to literally play two first team players and let the kids get the preseason and for one reason or another. So it tells you that the value of preseason really isn't as high as people think. You could win every preseason match and go on and get relegated. You can lose every preseason match and go on and win the league. Yes, you want to see improvements, but I think the improvements that we're going to see, well, first of all, I kind of feel like, again, going back to the creative issue, we know that's going to be a problem until we bring somebody in, which is why we brought somebody in last season, which is why Smithrow was such an impactful player when he was finally fit and firing and such. So that, but we're already trying to address that. It's not bringing up anything new, which is why we're going after the likes of Madison, you know, why we might bring Odegaard back if we can or whatever it might be. So any of the issues that we know of, it's just kind of pieces kind of reinforcing it. Um, but I'm trying to look at the positives in it. You know, white looks very good so far, which is mm-hmm. nothing, no one's ta- mentioning that. Uh, the fact that Lakonga is ahead of the curve, and I did tell people that he might be ahead of the curve, so I'll give myself a pat on the back for that one. Um, See, I raved about white. Where's my credit? <laughs> that's fair, Tom, you did. Um, Tierney's back and getting better with every performance. Um, the fact that Lakonga does fit with Shaka quite well, so kind of maybe can subside some of the worries about what would happen if you know, we have an injury issue if Ken Lakonga lasts. You know, there's that kind of thing. The fact that Partey hasn't been playing, the fact that Gabriel's not even back yet. You know, the fact that Smithrow, Pepe, and Saka still look the business when they're all on the pitch together. These are all positive things you can take. So, I mean, yeah, you can nitpick, but, you know, I think anyone that was thinking that we were going to take our form post-Christmas last season and immediately apply it to the preseason this year, that's really difficult to do. You know, I, I do think we want to see improvement in certain areas, but... Again, it's preseason. You know, if it, I think we can start to really be judgmental based off of Friday. If we go in against Brentford and we have, what, I don't know, two shots on goal and we lose 2 nothing, then, yeah, I'll be just as angry as anybody because that, to me, is a match that you have to win full stop, no excuses, particularly because you have Chelsea and, and City right off the back after that. And, and Brentford just got promoted with all due respect. They're a good side, but, you know, in the position that we're in, you have to win it. So I'm reserving my judgment for the actual hostilities. You know, Again, preseason to me is it's 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 got its uses. You know, you want to get your players fit. You want to try to work out some tackle kinks if you can. You want to try to hold on to the players that you wish to hold on to while also adding players to the squad, which you've done. So we've we've ticked all those boxes. We just if we're not a perfect entity yet on the pitch yet, I'm not gonna freak out about it. But we do wanna see improvement now that you know, in this week we're building up to Brentford, then at Brentford and then the week building up to City and Chelsea, you wanna see improvement then for sure. So if we don't see it then, then I'll freak out. But at the moment you know, I'm not reading too much into it at all. Jordan Henley, thank you ever so much, mate, for becoming a member and supporting the channel. Really appreciate it. Um, but Drew, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I'm not freaking out about kind of the results because the results are secondary in, in preseason always. Um, there are certain things I am concerned about, chance creation being kind of the, the main one. And I suppose a lack of kind of... Uh, James Bench put it really well on Twitter earlier when he said about he's kind of looking at preseason as in more importance than he has done before because we're still not seeing necessarily an identity or specific style in certain moments. That's that is concerning to me. And I do want it to lead on kind of Owen to this striker situation, which has become a massive debate. And I feel like this may take up a, a fair portion of our chat this evening. Um Abamyang played on the left, Lacazette played in the middle. And prior to kickoff we saw a a bomb dropped by the Times for Arsenal supporters with supposedly Spurs agreeing a, a fee with Inter Milan for Lautaro Martinez, which was later then 
denied by his agent that he that any kind of deal has been agreed that he wants to stay in Inter. Do not want to sell him. So take that as as you will uh, as the Newton's cradle of the transfer window continues, as I put it. Um, how do you feel about the striker situation? Do you feel that like Arsenal need to, to sign one? And and how are you feeling about Aubameyang ahead of the season? Well, the, let's do the last part first. Not very good whatsoever. <laughs> um, in, in terms of the Martinez thing, look, I think that, to be honest with you, I think that if it was a, a, between Arsenal and Spurs at the minute for the signature of Martinez, uh, the chances are that Spurs get that deal done a lot quicker than than, than we would, uh, simply for the fact that they have got this big war chest, as the words that we would like to uh that we often hear with with Harry Kane's move sort of seeming more inevitable um, by the day. But in terms of the striking um, situation at Arsenal, uh, with the Martinez links, I think what that is is simply with with um, Inter inquiring about the, availab- the availability of Hector Bellerin and a deal uh, looking to be done there. I think that Arsenal were, were just more seeing this as an opportunistic time to to make an approach for someone like Martinez. I don't think that they see that as a key position that needs targeted right now. But I think next summer, we've got Alexander Lacazette with one year left on his deal, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang with two and an agent. Um, So that is somewhere that we will need addressing very, very quickly. I think the gap between (coughs) Aubameyang and Lacazette in regards to their experience and then when you drop down to somebody like Eddie and Kadia and and Fowler and Balogun, that, that that the jump is far too big. So we do need to approach somebody maybe 20, 22, 23, 24, and around that age that are that are already in a in a run. We don't need to sign somebody who is gonna get good in the future, but somebody who is quite high standard of the minute and and with the possibility of getting better. Um, but I'll allude to what you said. For me, watching, I, I, I'll be completely honest here i often try to be really level-headed i i often follow the same thought processes as the majority of of people like yourself tom and you john and you drew but i am extremely worried and i'm extremely annoyed at the performance that i've seen today and the performances that i've seen in pre-season i think that to think that a manager sends his players out with the with the instruction of it doesn't really matter whether we win this game especially for a north london derby and i'll say this Spurs were not very, very good at all. They were the, exactly what I expected them to be be under Nuno, really defensively rigid, uh, very static, uh, not very expressive, but at times they still absolutely tore us apart. Now, the one thing you can give the club credit for is the standout players have been, you know, Ben White, the new signing, Sambi Lakonga looks very, very good, and he doesn't just have the ability to retain the ball like Granite Jacka. And, and pass it back to the side. He's got the ability to re- retain the ball under pressure and still come out of that pressure with a, with a positive outcome, a pass forward, which is something I really, really like. Um, but for me, it's the, like you said, the creative outlet. And what worries me at the minute is that I don't think, as much as I absolutely love the guy, that Emil Smith-Rowe has the, the head on his shoulders or the quality at his feet just at this moment in time to carry that mantle on his own for the entirety of the season not even on his own for the entirety of the season but to be the main creative outlet for Arsenal for an, this entire season I just don't think he's at that place yet and I think it needs a bit more growth also uh, look I'm probably jumping around the pitch here but I'm not sure whether whether you want to jump in and touch on this but 
I think there's more there's more worries in this side than maybe we are are given credit for. I think that right back is right back is massively massively worrying at the minute. We also seen Leno go down quite early on, and 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 Ronerson was on the bench. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that there's much more work needs to be done in this transfer window. And for me, all I, all I've heard in Michaela Teta's defence and I've even used this excuse at times was that he needs his pre-season he's had his pre-season he needs this summer transfer window he's getting this summer transfer window and while it's not over yet the business isn't being done to the level that I would have expected to be done by this point so for me it's just not looking very good and I'll be completely honest with you I'm finding it very very difficult to be positive going into this season with the signs that I'm seeing from the club at the minute and, and and it's completely understandable, mate. I I I am the most optimistic of the spectrum of of Arsenal fans, as people will know. And I am I've crossed over from concern to worry. Like I I am in that kind of worry scenario now, John. We will go to kind of all of those issues uh, that, that uh, Owen was talking about, and we will get to those. But just focusing in on the striker situation still, yeah. um, I really want to kind of ask you about this this whole word that people keep using about. He was not clinical enough, Lacazette, mm-hmm. as, as a striker. Now, I, I keep pointing out that across the last two years, I think he's been the most clinical striker in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Last season, for all of the players that scored 10 or more goals, he was the third, he had the third highest, highest shot conversion. But the issue is, is that in the entirety of last season, on average per 90 minutes, he only had 1.97 shots per game. That, mm-hmm. That's what he was at. So in my mind, and, and it may work differently to others, and I'm not saying that my mind is the, is the correct way of thinking, but to just kind of theorise by putting those kind of in my head, putting those facts together, is that if you've got a, a striker with an amazing kind of conversion rate like that, but he's not shooting enough, to me, that's because he's not being given enough opportunities to shoot. So my head instantly goes, well, we don't necessarily need to be prioritising signing a striker this window. We need to be prioritising signing a player that's going to increase the frequency of quality chances being made available to that striker that is very good at converting the shots that he takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I agree with that. Um, and if you remember from last season, we weren't playing with a 10 uh, until Neil Smith-Rowe came back in the second mm-hmm. half of the season. So it, half the time, uh, Lacazette wasn't even in or around our box. He was dropping back as another midfielder. Um, he was doing a lot of defensive work and, and stuff like that. So that also contributed to his lack of actual shots that he was taking. So he's not really had much of a problem converting. It's always been, like you said, uh, getting service and being in and around the box where he's going to be a threat. Now, the problem is, is that you have one of the best crossers of the ball in the league in Kieran Tierney on the left-hand side, and you have absolutely pretty much no one to get on the end of it except Lacazette, who is not the greatest header of the ball. So if that's the tactic that Arteta wants to take, um, it's not going to work, and he needs to revisit that. So I guess is your question, do we need a player that's kind of that creative number 10 to create more chances rather than a striker? Then the answer is yes, absolutely. I think our biggest goal right now is to get, and and, and by the way, so that kind of bleeds into the Aubameyang conversation. So there's a kind of interesting group of, of two different sides to this, this debate about Aubameyang. One is that he's just not good enough. And evidenced by the fact that you look at his goals that were being scored in the beginning of last season and now the goals that were scored at the the beginning of the season before, and it was a a big drop-off. I think that he scored in the first 10 games uh, in 2019-20, he scored seven goals. 
uh, Obama Yang did. And then in 2020, last season, he scored three, I want to say, in the first 10 games. Mm. Uh, two, sorry, two. I'm not going to talk about uh, Tammy Abraham right now. Uh, but uh, but speaking back to my point is that you can look at wh- how we were lining up that first season. Willick in the first game of that season that Aubameyang scored seven goals in, in 10 games, which I think is extremely important for a striker and a team to get the momentum going forward in, in a season, to getting your, your lead goal scorer out flying right off the bat. He was playing, Willick was playing as the 10 at that point, and he was actually doing pretty well. And he was in the first, I think, three or four games, maybe more, in the starting lineup there. So... Um, the point is, is that we had a creative player there last season. If you look at the lineups in the first games of the season, we don't have any, there's a giant hole in the middle of the field. And we know that because we, how much were we saying last season that we just need a dedicated number 10 to create chances, uh, and that they'll put them away. Um, is that going to be a Mill Smith row? Maybe, I don't know if he's really the quality of player that we need in that position right now, but certainly when we're looking at strike the striker situation, we have what? How many the 20, 30 strikers it feels like on this team? Uh, and it's not like it, there's going to be two problems. And I mentioned this uh, off our chat a while back. The, the first problem is going to be that there's already competition for one tournament, which is the Premier League, really. That is the main competition that we're in. We're not, we don't have Europa. We don't have all this stuff going on. So there's going to be a lack of games and opportunities for these players, especially a striker. And then the other one is kind of how does Arteta want to set this team up? Does he want to play with uh, like this false player that drops down as a midfielder and not really have a number 10? We've tried that already. It doesn't really work. If that's what he wants to do, uh, Lacazette isn't really the player for this. All right. He's not going to be the one that's going to be able to drop back and come up and create chances for himself. It's not going to happen. So either you need to get a different player or you need to change up the way that you're playing. And in my opinion, I think Lacazette could be a good player for us this season if he's used properly, if we have a, a chance creator next to him, and if we don't rely on him to score the get on the other end of the crosses that Tierney's putting in. Um, you know, and it makes me like, I know I'll probably get crap for this, but it makes me miss Gir- like a prime Giroud with us, with 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 Tierney putting in those crosses yeah. would be unbelievable. It would be it would be yeah. crazy. It'd be crazy. And I'm not a big Giroud fan. I, I'm, not, I'm really not. But I, that's the kind of a, a, a way that we're playing right now. And I don't know if it's the most efficient way for us to be using the resources that we have. Um, so <clears throat> I'm trying to think of where to begin. And 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 for I, I don't. This isn't me disagreeing with John because usually John and I don't disagree. And John is correct as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so the first thing is... You want to uh, rethink that, Drew? <laughs> <laughs> Raul is going to be on you. <laughs> no, no, no. With, um, with Lacazette drop, dropping back and connecting play, if we didn't have a 10, that would be fine. If See, to me, this comes down to tasking, and this is where I have to question Arteta. And, and overall, I want to persist with Arteta, but this is where thing, there's a disconnect tactically on the pitch. And for me, this, this is the, the problem, the crux of the matter. If you have your center forward dropping back deep to kind of connect midfield to the forward line, that center forward has to then become progressive. If he's not going to drive play on the ball, he has to be able to create play with a, with, a, with a through ball, right? But then also you have to ask your wingers to be able to get into positions where they can receive it. And this is where I think I struggled to see how, where Pepe fits into Arteta's system because when, you, when you're when you denying Pepe the ability to make those diagonal runs into space, to get him in a one-on-one scenario or to let him um, – uh, receive a ball over the top. Same thing with Saka because you know Saka has space. Uh, Nelson, if if he if he had a future here, you have wingers that need that kind of service, and we weren't getting it. Lacazette would drop back to connect play, 
but usually he then he would lay it off to say Tierney, or he would give it back to say Jaka or Partey, or he would find Pepe, and then we would keep building play. We we didn't become incisive once he got the ball, and that was the problem. And if you look at the the um, the chances created per open play uh, last season, um, Lacazette was one of the top seven on the team, so he has the ability to do it. Smith Rowe was first, by the way. Um, here are the most chances in open play uh, per minutes per chance in open play. Smith Rowe. So you could argue that over the course of a full season, Smithrow can handle being the 10 if he stays fit. And with less matches, you'd hope that he could stay fit. But the other issue is Pepe had the least chances created, um, minutes, like the highest minutes per chance to create an open play. So Pepe's not really a creative winger. You have to get him on the end of goal-scoring opportunities. And the same thing with Aubameyang. Aubameyang, sometimes he does put in a decent ball, and, and credit to him, but on average... He, if you're going to use him on the left, you have to get him into the goal scoring position. So that you have to change what you want your center forward to do or your ten to do, and that's why I don't think it'll ever work with Lacazette and Aubameyang. And I think the onus is on Arteta to, to finally pick one or the other. It, it has to be, if you pick Aubameyang, you have to tweak your tactics that are mm-hmm. going to suit Aubameyang. If you pick Lacazette, I think you're more likely to be able to to keep things closer to as they are now. Because he's more suited to how, more suited to how things are now, just little adjustments. Uh, you know, if you're not going to require Lacazette to be a 20 goal scorer, that's okay. You know, City won the league last year, and Gundogan was our top scorer in the league. And I think he had 13 goals, so clearly you can win the league and not need a 20 goal scorer. But he was also the one that was higher than I think he was first on the conversion. Yeah, shot, right? but he got really high percentage chances because he would make late runs into the area and he would be mm-hmm. found. 8, 10, 12 yards out, out of the area, just a one-touch finish, or he would receive it one touch and then finish. You can get that out of Lacazette, but if your goal is to not get that out of Lacazette, you then have to get that out of your wingers. You have to get that out of Pepe, out of Saka. Um, so th- that's to me, is the bigger issue. I think we have two different forwards who would fit two different systems. The problem is I feel like we're not playing to one strength, and that's okay. But the other one, when we do have many level, we're not getting them in the chances. Like you said, Tom, Lacazette took less than two shots a match. And one of the reasons why Lewandowski scores so many goals, Lewandowski takes over five shots per game for Bayern. They get him the chances. Mm-hmm. And while still getting the chances for someone like Gnabry or Zane or whoever it might be on the flanks, they also get chances as well. But the primary directive is to get Lewandowski goals because you want your best goal scorer on the end of chances. And I think Lacazette could be a very good goal scorer. I do think he could foot with 20 goals, you know, if, but things have to be tailored correctly. And I don't think the, fi- the fine tuning is really going on right now. But do you uh, train striker? That's my question. Cause that's, hmm? that's what it boils down to is right. that I, I agree with you. Like yeah. we are not making enough chances for Lacazette and the no. type of chances that he will thrive upon, which are, you know, you can put, you can throw the ball into him back to goal. He can spin and shoot. That's fine. You can give him those chances mm-hmm. around the six yard box to hit first time. And, and with his, cl- how clinical he is, he can take those chances. In and around the outside of the boxes, which is if you watch the preseason game today, he was really isolated on the edge of the box at times and had to take kind of pot shots from the edge, which is not his forte. He still tests the keeper now and again, and he hit the post, of course, but that's not the type of chance he's going to thrive on. So do you buy, as John said, with Olivier Giroud, if we had Olivier Giroud, it wouldn't be a problem. It wouldn't be as much of a problem. So do you then 
sign that, that type I'm of striker. Glad, Tom, Tom, I'm glad you – that's actually what I was going to jump in with because I remember mm. – I'm, I'm thinking about the, the question is really – what do we do in the striker position? And I think Drew just – you. I, I agree with everything you said, but it added just another element to mm-hmm. – it's unclear and it depends exactly yeah. how we plan on playing with these strikers. Uh, and, and your Pepe example I think was spot on because it really shows like not only are you going to have to deal with your striker situation, but you're going to have to think how are you going to deal with the, the other players that are corollary that are also going to be trying to come in and score some goals or create chances. Uh, I think Pepe needs to do exactly what you said and make these diagonal runs in. And how is he going to be doing that? You know, it, it'd be, let me put it this way. It'd be, extru- it'd be great if we had all of these ball progressing players, Xhaka, White, uh, Tierney, uh, Lukanga, all of them pushing forward and then everyone crowding the box and just, you know, someone's going to get on the end of something. That's a, a viable tactic and we have the personnel to make that happen. It just seems mm-hmm. like we want to just kind of pass around and not really, you know, look for this perfect pass. And and I get that that's the way that, our, that um, you know, Wenger used to play and that Arteta's used to and even, even Pep can play that way. I just don't think we have the personnel to do that. We need to create, as like you said, what, what Byron do with, uh, with Lewandowski and they create this plethora of chances so that you create more of an opportunity to get behind one of them. And I think if that's our game plan, we can do that with what we have right now, including the strikers that we have, but we actually have to play that way. Yeah. You know, we can't play in a way that is not conducive to the personnel we have, which but, is the point I was making. No, I agree with you. I think for me, the difference is, and going back to the Bayern example, because I think it's a very good one to always use. It's, they don't just get Lewandowski chances. They get him a variety of chances. Correct. He never scores the same type of goal. It's always, there's always three, four, and five ways he can't score because there's three, four, and five ways that they're getting him a chance. For us, it just seems like we build play, we build play, we build play, we build play. And then at the end of whatever move we're trying to carve, it's the same type of chance every time. And that's what yes. becomes very easy to defend against, especially against the low block. So for Tyranny me, to nothing. right. So, so for me, you just start changing things up a bit. And, and John brings up a very good point about, about being progressive. It's that you have someone like a, like a Jack or a Partey or, or a Lukanga, um, those type of players can be direct. And this is kind of what I've been banging on about City is that the thing that makes City so effective is that they're very much like how Barca was under Pep, where they can control possession and then control it for 70 minutes outside of your box and create a chance, or they can be very direct at a moment's notice and carve out a chance. You know, They, they can bypass the midfield with the players that have an offer, we can too, but we're choosing not to. And we have the but, players that can thrive on that 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 bypass in the midfield. You can have you can bypass the midfield and put Pepe into space. You can bypass the midfield and put Oba or even Lacazette into space because he still has some decent base. Same thing with Saka. So we have the ability to do that. But that's what I mean by Arteta has to mm. fine tune things where he can say that's the elephant in the room, though, isn't it? Because, yeah, you can say I mean, we're identifying. You're saying all this. You're you're yeah. identifying the tactics, and we know this. We know what type of chances we we know what type of striker we need for those chances. We know what we need to do for the current players that we've got. But that's not happening. Mm-hmm. But and it, we're, it, we're before the preseasons even end like just ended. We. Is is Arteta going to be the right guy going forwards? And that's the big question because I'm not sure. That I think is. I think we'll know by October or November before Owen jumps in. I think we'll know within the first two months. And I think if we, we see a similar issue early doors like we did last year, then even I would say he's got to go at that point because then you can't say it's the, the issue is anything else other than what Arteta is trying to do. And that's a whole other discussion, obviously. But that's what I mean by we need to see the tangible results moving forward this season. If things don't change and we're still somehow magically failing to score chances, to, to create chances, then you can't you can't say it's the players at this point. 
even if we don't get medicine, it, it can't be because the data shows that we can create the chances. Mm-hmm. So, but is this a case once again of of sentimentality and naivety creeping into uh, you know Arsenal's downfall? Because really, when I cast my mind back, and again, once like we always say, hindsight's a wonderful thing. But <laughs> when you look back to Arteta's first six months, the FA Cup winning season. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was shoehorned into the team on the left-hand side because he didn't suit the system that Mikel Arteta wanted to play. Yet we signed him up to a £300,000 a week plus contract for a, an agent striker. And, and you know, now when you look at it and you, and you look back and you think, well, when was he ever going to fit into that system? And when was he ever going to sustain that form? Much like I mentioned earlier to Joe Willick. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang throughout that season was massively outperforming his expected goals every single game. So it was never sustainable. And as we all know, there always is an eventual decline. And don't get me wrong, I was as happy as anybody. I loved Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and I still do. But I just think that sometimes you can't turn a spanner into a screwdriver just because that's what you want at the time. Um, and, And at the end of the day, when it comes down to football. This is the reason that we are fans and not technical directors because we can get emotional about somebody who has just single-handedly won us an FA Cup, but the football club shouldn't. And and, and this is where Arsenal have fallen short in recent years. Mm. Very short thing. Uh, Chris Wheatley has just reported that the £25 million deal, which is being confirmed for Joe Willock, includes a sell-on clause. So there you go. Uh, some good business by Arsenal in that regard. So was, That was my question. I was hoping that was on there. So Yes, so there you go. Um, let, let's talk about... Uh, we've got about 15 minutes until we go to, as Mike would like to say, he invented user questions. Um, and we'll get to some of your thoughts in the last half an hour of the show. Um, so if you've got a question... Prepare it, and in 13 minutes, we will be going through as many of them as we feasibly can. Um, there is three weeks left of the window. Um, that, that, <laughs> that, that is, that is, that, that's how long we've got left to, to do what we need to do. There is a lot to do, um, it's fair to say, and I'm going to come to you individually about what you think we need to do and what you expect us to do. Um who looks like they least want to answer this question? True. <laughs> what do you think, mate? What do you think we need to do? And what do you expect us to do? And chat box, give us your, your thoughts on what you think is going to happen and what you expect us to kind of do in that sense. That's so tricky. I mean, what we need to do, and as much as I've been supportive of using Smithrow as the main 10, I, I do think you need another player that can do it. Oh, you do? You've changed your mind. No, no, no. It's not that I didn't think that we didn't even before. It's more of I would prefer to bring in a player who is okay with not necessarily starting every match. But if you bring in Madison, he's not going to come here and, and expect to rotate. He's going to come here because he's going to be playing. But on the same token, that could also solve some of the creative problems. So if you bring in Madison, for example, then you can still use Smithrow as a creative winger, which would increase your chance creation, which is kind of what you want in the first place. So... I do think we need another creative, but whether that's Madison or Odegaard, I, I'm not uh, entertaining the Hasamawa discussions today. I don't, I, I wouldn't, I still wouldn't touch him in the 50 foot pole. And I had that stance last season and I haven't really changed on that. But I do think we need another creative player. Um, just because I, I, I think you're asking too much of, of Lacazette and, and the current system just doesn't suit Oba. So I think getting a creative player suits both strikers no matter who play in theory. So I think you need a creative player. 
Um, I would probably look at right back. I, I mean, again, I'm, uh, this is kind of my personal bias. I do think I'll always be a fan of Bayern, but I think I think that ship has sailed. Um, and I think Chambers is serviceable as a right back, but I don't think he's going to get you everything you kind of want long term. You know, and I like the fact that he's, he's he's utilitarian, right? He can play center back, he can play right back, he can even play DM in the pinch. So you want to have that kind of player in your squad to fill holes, but not to be the first choice as right back. And I don't think Cedric should be playing. So I think right back, you know, a creative player. Um, if Leno does want to go, then you need a goalkeeper. If he wants to stay, then you persist with Leno. I don't think there's enough goalkeeper value on the market to say currently – there was, there isn't now that you can reliably upgrade him. For, I, I don't want to spend that money in Rams. I think it's insane. Um, even if the data shows he's a decent keeper, he's not worth that kind of money. So um, for me, it's got to be a 10 and, and a right back and maybe another central midfielder depending. What do you think we'll do? Uh, I mean, uh, find another defender. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Even, even I might consider suicide at that point. Um, I don't know. I think we'll, I think we'll, I think we'll look for a creative player. Um, I think it might come down to deadline day. I think we'll finally get a deal done for that, no matter who it might be. I don't think we're bringing in a right back. I'm not quite sure if we're bringing in another midfielder. I think it seems like he's prepared to give Lukonga the chance if he gets it, which I think is correct, because he's shown he's ahead of the curve. I think, for better or worse, Arteta trusts El Nene to be a backup option. El Nene, yeah. El Nene. El Nene. I think... I think he trusts him to be a backup option. And because there's less rotation, that's okay. And I think he's willing to give Aziz a chance in, in cup competition. So I don't know if we'll prioritize a central midfielder. I do think we'll still prioritize a 10-ish player, and I think we'll get that done. I don't think we'll get it right back. I think our business will just live and die. But if we get Madison or somebody in that elk or not, I think that's kind of where it'll end for us. I don't think we're going to get a striker either because – you can't, as much as people want Latara Martinez or whoever else, you can't bring him in and still have Lacazette and Aubameyang on your books. Plus, Balogun, you just resigned, and then Ketia, who you somehow can't sell. So, so, yeah. Right, John, don't run away from your chair. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you think Arsenal need to do, and what do you think they will do? So, I will just say that what we have is what we need to maximize, and worrying about things <laughs> that we don't have at the moment. Is, oh. There's no point. I also agree with John too. So that that as well. Hey, look, I I don't get me wrong. I've tried <laughs> to support Arteta so much, I, but those comments by, for those oh, who, for man. those who don't know, that was <laughs> that was Arteta's quote uh, about this oh. transfer window. He said, "What we have is what we have to maximize. Worrying about things we don't have at the moment is no point." Which I is the most mind-boggling thing I've ever heard. So, ever. so real fast, do you real fast? Do you think that do you think that could slightly be taken out of context? Do you think how he's, is that out of context? Just, 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 <laughs> do you think he's saying that I under that I understand we need to improve, but constantly moaning about it isn't going to help? Do you think that's what he's saying? I don't think he's saying we're not going to do anything else. I think he's just saying we need to make sure we get the best out of what we have, and then when we bring new things in, then we worry about that too. Maybe he, that's what I mean by out of context. Arteta I don't think you're wrong. Very direct, and that's true. And he, when he wants to say something, he says it. That you know, and he'll say yes. We need to look. I understand, and then but but while we have the pillars that we have, let's maximize that. That's not what I got from that. 
That's true. Might, if that's what he meant, I'm okay with it. But that's yeah. not what I heard, and that's, that's not what fair. He said. That's very fair. Yeah. So, so uh, that that's a mind that's a mind-boggling comment from a from a manager in the middle of probably one of the most important transfer windows in this club's recent yeah. history, if not total, it, considering where our rivals are going and where we seem to be going. Um, to say, well, we can't really worry about the fact that we don't have a number ten. That's really, and we don't, and our right back situation is not sorted out. We'll just figure it out, and then uh, you know, I'm just going to spend fifty million pounds. On a defender and really not, you know, address areas of the pitch that probably need it more. As good as Ben White has looked, and he has looked very good. Um, so yeah, um, I'm just not going to worry. That's what Arteta says. So I'm not going to worry about the things that we don't have right now. Oh man, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's I can't get my head around. Uh, I'll be, I keep reading through the comments, and I'm trying to keep it together. Um, <laughs> Owen, hopefully, after sneezing on your camera, we can see you properly now. Um, finally, before we go to questions in the chat box, so if you do have a question, we are going to go through as many of them as we as we can. What do you think is going to happen, Owen? And uh, what would you, what do you think we need to do? Oh Jesus! I hate these type. No, I actually love these types of questions because I can, you I can you go off on one. Yeah. On your <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, what do I think we need to do? Uh, a number ten for sure. I think everybody is sort of on the same wavelength. So that's probably our main issue still this season, <laughs> much like last season. So that's somewhere that needs addressing. Um, this center mid as well, I think, is somewhere that needs to be addressed. Um, as far as I'm aware, all reports coming out of the club was that even prior to the the Granite Xhaka, uh, Roma links uh, popping up, that they were already on the lookout for some reinforcements. Whether, like Drew said, Lukanga's performances have made them maybe put a bit more faith in him. Uh, that's another thing. But for me, I, I still think that uh, with Willick going out and Mohamed Al Nani being Mohamed Al Nene. That that he's <laughs> he, he he's subpar probably and, and doesn't possess the quality that we need. Um, right back is one hundred percent definitely. I think that Sadrick isn't up to the the quality. He's a decent cover. I think that well, I really really like Callum Chambers and his attitude. His uh, physical attributes are very limited in that position, and I think today was just it just highlighted exactly what the problem is with Hector Bellerin. You know, and, and why, whilst I like him as a person, I just don't think he's up to the task. Uh, goalkeeper as well is another one, um, obviously, that we need. Now, what do I think that we're going to do? I think that Arsenal are going to be Arsenal, and and I think we will get the Madison deal done now, especially that this Willick thing has has popped its head up. And what makes me think that is is uh, the language that has been used by Brendan Rodgers when, when being asked about the deal would make me think that Leicester are probably open to that, um, and it's quite a doable deal. Also, I think Arsenal will want to win, uh, win over some favour with the fans, and that's quite a high quality or high profile signing um, to try and win people back on side. Um, so I think they will get that done. But unfortunately, the last thing I think they'll do is they'll probably, I think they're probably going to go and spend the money on Ramsdale. Um, I think they seem to have this obsession with getting a homegrown homegrown keeper in. And while I think there's better avenues and better ways to do that, I just think that they're going to be pushed into that. And I could, could do you want to know what? I could maybe see them going for one more last minute signing. Arsenal are well, pretty well known for last minute panic buys. I mean, our manager was one himself. Um, you look at Danny Welbeck, and unfortunately, I think that they could possibly go and do a stupid panic buy. 
um, somebody who doesn't really make a lot of sense in a position that doesn't really make a lot of sense, and and we could end up with another bench warmer. We'll wait and see if that does turn out to be the case. Uh, we have now reached the final 30 minutes of the show. Please do stick around to get your questions answered in the chat box. If you would like to use a capital Q to help them stand out, that would be really helpful for us. Let's scroll up. And we do have a quick super chat to read out from our very loyal and the fantastic real Yanis in the chat. He says, Laka Holding, Chambo, Kalasnach, Xhaka, Bellerin, Marie, Cedric, Elneny, Elnene. Uh, <laughs> she's now just going to... Elnene. <laughs> This, this is great. I'm so glad you did that. Easy make the dolls at the risk of upsetting you, lads. Players that aren't good enough, in my honest opinion. How can people go after Arteta with this squad? No one wants to pay, play or rather pay for these guys. Drew, let, let's answer that. Do you think how much of an excuse is it for Edu and Arteta and the recruitment and sales division of the squad that they haven't managed to move on the players that they've needed to because of how bad those players are and how unwanted they are? I don't think it's an excuse. I think it's valid. I think for all these players are not players that they bought. You know, these are players that were left over from the previous regime, and now they're kind of saddled with finding solutions to get rid of them. And particularly, I mean, we were on the cusp of getting rid of Jacka, but I think the club digging in its heels and saying, you know, if we're going to let go one of our senior players, we want the right evaluation for him. I think that was the right call at the time. I think John and I mentioned that in, in the group chat as well. And I think ideally you wanted to let him go, but if you're going to take a, a if you if you're just receiving less for one of your only leaders in a the team, then no, you keep them and then you reevaluate. So, um, but no, this is what happens when you. A lot of those buyers were questionable, and what made it even worse was the contracts that they were given. And so it's really it's, I think it'd be easier to gauge this if we weren't still in a pandemic and if clubs the world over weren't completely ruined financially. I think of these these players would have already been moved. Just so, and we talk about it all the time, Tom, there's so many clubs that just don't have the buying power outside of the Premier League. And Premier League clubs don't want these players because they can go up to Europe and get better players for cheaper and less wages. So, but Drew, on FIFA, Bayer Leverkusen offered me 30 million for him. Please, Christ, stop. That means he's gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, 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 it's very, like, we're, we're kind of hamstrung. Um, so I, I, I do think that maybe... I mean, you always think that they have to be doing a little bit better, potentially, but they can't control what came before them. It's not their fault that these guys are on the wages that they're on. And it's not their fault the pandemic happened. And it's not their fault that clubs can't afford those wage packets. And the club also can't just go out and buy out of those contracts because that's a massive financial outlet to buy out every single one of these contracts and then replace every single one of those players. That's a really difficult task. And if we were to blow up a third of the first team, we're not even getting in the top 10 next season, let alone. I don't think people understand how, how hard it is to, to, to press a full reset button on a squad and hope for the best and, and, and compete for top six when doing it. You know, if you look at it from like an American sports perspective, like John and I can speak to it a lot, there, there's incentive to blow up your squad because you get first round draft picks for it. And then you have, you can get building blocks later. This is not the case in football. If you blow up your squad, you're screwed for a while until you finally bring in all the pieces and that costs money. So yeah, no, I, I just think I, I don't settle them with it. I do think there's maybe one or two people that we that we could maybe buy out. Just buy out Kalasnach already. You've got Tavares. You've got Tierney. Just take a hit on Kalasnach, for example. Just that one. Maybe and then maybe one more. And I then think you it. can cancel that. I don't think you'd even need to pay him off. I think that that is one you could. You sure, could. that's what I mean. You just cancel it. It's, just cancel it and just get rid of it. Like that, to me, I think they should be doing. But to say that like six, seven, eight, nine players aren't going and it's their fault, I think I think it's harsh. 
So fair enough. Uh, there is another super chat, a uh, question, and then we'll go through some of the rest of your questions in the chat box. John, Mr. Joe Kerr, thank you so much, Joe, for your continued support of the channel. Says with hours left on the 31st of August, who else but Arsenal will answer the call to, <laughs> to the panic by Bell? Isco is incoming. I hope to hell high or high hell rather not. Uh, who uh, do you think is... Arsenal are going to panic by? <laughs> okay, because this was written like some kind of like Arthurian like. Yeah, I, I struggled with it. <laughs> Joe, you've... Whence come the green knight, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who are we going to panic by? Ozil. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, I had to. I had to. Um, uh, ah, damn. Who are, Isco is an interesting one. I don't think we're going to panic by Isco. Um, what, what, old, what old Chelsea players are there? <laughs> We're going to panic by Azpilicueta. That's there we what go. we're going to do. There we go. You know, and um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe like a Tammy Abraham. Maybe like, the, I think that's a player that we've kind of been quasi linked with and that, you know, maybe they're just like, okay, we got to do something. Just do it. Let's get Tammy Abraham. Um, I don't know. Uh, let's just hope that we're not in that position um, because that would be bad. That would be bad. I agree. Right. We're going to go through all of your questions as well. I say all, as many as we can. Uh, the boys are going to try and keep their answers condensed and as undrew-like as possible uh, in the next 20-ish, uh, 27 minutes that we've got left. Owen, uh, Benji says, do you think we should insert a buyback slash sell-on clause if we manage to move on in Ketia? No, it's something we need to be very careful with because um, if there is, in, in fact, a, a sell-on clause or anything in, in Joe Willock's deal, I will be massively surprised and massively... Uh, well, that is fantastic because as we all... <laughs> 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 I'll be massively surprised. There yeah. it is. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Clip that. Um, no, but look, uh, as we know, it often dwindles down the 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 fee that that you tend to get for transfers so the fact that we have done that with willick is fantastic to maintain that uh, that size of a fee but with somebody like eddie and Kedia, i'm not sure whether you would maintain uh, you know the the a high level of fee let's say if he was to be sold for 10 15 million uh, if his price tag was 15 million with a sat on fee i would imagine that to drop by 3 million 4 million you know so um no Fair enough. Rampur says, Drew, do you think Martinelli will have an impact this season? Mm, I don't know. I mean, you, you'd think it at some point, sure. Um, especially if, you know, if, if Williams... <laughs> no, no, well, if, if Williams' if Williams minutes are reduced, then you would imagine that he'll have some role to play. I don't think he's going to end up being a starter this year. Um, but the, I, I don't know, the fact that he hasn't really... Some are worried. I'm not necessarily worried, but you have to argue that he hasn't really kicked on and really forced himself into the 11 like someone like Smith Rowe or Saka has. So you wonder what his long-term future is. And now we're being linked to center forward interest, whether if it's Martinez or, or Tammy Abraham, that kind of, go, and, and Balogun's extended, that kind of goes to show you that he's not going to have a future center forward. So if it's, it's going to be left wing or bust, so we'll see. I think he'll have a role to play, but I don't, I don't see it. It's going to be considerable, really. Fair enough. I agree. I think that, He's going to struggle to get into the team over Pepe and uh, and Saka, and I do think they are the two players that he's in competition with, not the striker position for me anyway. Um, Rancid Pumpkin, one of our best named uh, watchers, John says, "How optimistic are you for next season as it stands? Rate it out of ten and give a small explanation." Uh, four, four. So uh, I would say five means that I'm kind of iffy. Uh, I think I'm a little bit. God, more what does four mean? Four means I'm. I'm 
more pessimistic than anything that we're going to get everything done and do everything. Pa- that's a good question, though. But hey, uh, so Patrick in the chat called us Walmart FC, which I thought was really funny. The only <laughs> the only difference I think is that Walmart doesn't pay its employees and we pay ours too much. So that's I think the only difference. There you go, unbelievable scenes. Uh, I'll take this one from Russ Morgan, who says, "Do you envisage a 2011 last day transfer?" window scramp with four players joining us i don't think four uh but i do imagine that we will sign someone on deadline day i have a feeling that'll actually be when more of our outgoing business gets done than incoming i just think that at that moment in time people will realize that they've not signed the players they need oh hey where's a club but there's loads of surplus players that we can get on the jeep arsenal is where you can get them so i think it's more going to be outgoings on deadline day than, than incomings uh owen lafair says uh what do you guys think about lucas torero i still think there is a good cdm to be discovered there it's a shame that emery played him out of position i still think he can do a job for us um yeah i definitely agree with it's a shame that emery played him out of position i think when he came in that he was a player that many arsenal fans were excited to see he possessed a lot of the qualities that we lacked uh for so long you know that tenacity that sort of south american biting at the heels attitude and and, and not giving up and and not only that but but a level of quality in possession as well that that you maybe wouldn't associate with with players of the price tag that we got him for and what people were expecting from him um but unfortunately i don't see a future here i think that when you look at players uh you know you look at players at the minute like harry kane at at the the spuds or, or or someone like that there to me i'm one of these people that if a player doesn't want to be here he shouldn't be here regardless of contract or situation or, or talent or whatever if his, if his 100 devotion isn't to the task at hand on the club he's at then, then then you probably don't want him in around the squad and even though he made the comments at a time of grief um when you make comments like that there i think you sort of cast yourself aside so i think it's best for all parties involved for lucas Turer to move on and i don't think there's any, any animosity between the club or the player i just think that they've all mutually decided that yeah it's probably best if you if you move on the only thing i would sort of not not shame him for because again once again it's understandable because of the situation but the fact that he probably heavily impacted his uh his transfer value um, with some of the comments on how adamant he was to move on, um, I think that was slightly unprofessional. Yeah, I, I, I have sympathy, of course, in that moment, as I think we all do. Um, but you, you can't really say stuff like that. Um, it's, it just really does put you and the club in such a situation. And I, I, I can't, I can't, ex- I can't, I can understand why you said those words but i can't excuse it in that same way it's i think there is a difference between the two dave rolly says great show lads thank you mate prediction for friday might dave we will get to predictions at the end of the show don't you worry um tulip drew says is the captaincy adding too much pressure on abamiang in fa cup season it was new now as time has gone with his bad form and him being captain adds more unnecessary pressure on him no i don't think i think that's a really poor excuse because when you're the when you're supposed to be the main goal scoring center forward, you should be used to pressure, and he's had that that labeled on him way before he was captain in the first place. So, if he can't handle that pressure, then that that should be a negative mark for him, I think. And I, I also kind of feel like you can wear the Iron Man and not necessarily be the, the vocal leader of the team anyway. And we already know that it wasn't him, regardless. So I I don't think that that has anything to do with it anyway. Personally, but that's just me. Also, have a really 
I have a large bias of Aubameyang, so I'm the wrong person to ask anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John Sheathking says, does the buck not stop with the ownership? Edu can't spend what he hasn't got. Oh, come on. I mean, that's true. That, but I mean, it's not. It, it's clip <laughs> <laughs> <Clint>, that now. <laughs> like I get, like I get the logic that you can't spend what you don't have. But like, there's I'm no sorry, evidence. To... I know that you don't watch Love Island, but a couple of years ago, there was a clip of a guy called Curtis, and there's this meme of where he goes, "No, that's not true," and then there's a long pause, and he goes. Okay, no, that is true. <laughs> like, it's just exactly what you did in backwards. Yeah, brilliant. Go on. Look, I don't know what Love Island is, but uh, does, the, does the Bucks not stop with KSC? I mean, ultimately, the man, the owner, makes all the calls, but does he really? I mean, is he? I think that whatever, whatever Arteta or Edu really, really push for, I, I have a feeling they they get for the most part. But I think that the, as like these. I think that they are this kind of they have this like fiduciary responsibility or they feel they do to KSE. It might have been part of the deal here, you know, that they have this broad uh, control over. But, but that's the thing. There's not a lot of clarity as to what the roles are, or what control they do have. In order to answer that question appropriately, I think you need to know what the relationship is between KSE and Edu and Arteta. If they have autonomy, then the, the buck does not stop with KSE. It's actually Arteta and Edu. But if they, if, if it's more like a just signing off on the paperwork, and that's all that KSE does, then uh, you know, and they've done it, and KSE hasn't, or or stopped them from signing off on players that we need to get, then yeah, the buck absolutely stops with KSE. So it really depends on what that dynamic is. Can I can I jump in on that for a second, just because this is something I've been I've been thinking about for um, quite quite a bit over the past few weeks. Um, uh, to me, uh, <laughs> but three, only that's always thought about for three weeks. Just yeah, sitting yeah. in a dark room just, with a candlestick. Just, I told you, I've been sitting backstage for this podcast since last night, man. I still have a lot of time to think. Uh, uh, no, but it's simply like like John. I don't know who the who, who the blame lies with, but I can't help step away from this feeling that what Arsenal are doing and, and put any individual at the club's name in front of that sentence. But at Arsenal, I have this feeling that we are a club at the minute who want other people to make up for the poor business decisions that we've made in years past. So I think as a collective, Arsenal in the office are sitting when they're discussing their transfer plans, feeling sorry for themselves. Don't hmm. suck. We, we can't sell Kalasanak. We can't get 20 million for Eddie and Kadiak. We can't get this and that. And it's a why should other people come and bail you out for your poor decisions over numerous years? Poor, poor decisions hmm. and, and given too much money to non-sellable assets. Mm -hmm. and, and and this is where, whilst I do agree with people saying that Arsenal need to be a bit more rigid in the in the transfer market and taking stances on players like Granite Jacket and not accepting, you know, subpar offers and stuff like that. But at the same time, you have to turn around and say, well, they're your mistakes, they're your decisions that you made, and maybe it's up to you to, to cough up the cost of those mistakes and wipe the slate clean and start conducting yourself in a better, better manner from here on out. Is there is it an either or thing? How about uh, that's another aspect of it. So it reminds me of like when you're a kid, you kind of have this delusion that adults 
uh, kind of have their shit together. And then as you get older and become an adult, you kind of realize that most people are just winging it. Uh, and we assumed, I, I did at least for a long time, that this club and the people who are running it kind of have some sense of what's going on. But it's possible that none of them really know what's going on. Arteta and Edu, nor KSE. And they're just kind of like, yeah, that sounds good. Let's just go with that. Well, uh, what? that guy has a you know interesting sounding name. Let's go with that guy. He, you know, he, he, he scored a couple of good girls. You know, like, I, I'm concerned that it might not be either or and everyone might be incompetent. And it's starting to maybe be, that's where I'm starting to be in terms of my mindset. <laughs> For sure. Um, well, Yanis says, uh, sorry, I have to ask, but can't people get over Saliba? Uh, I don't know what the Marseille score is. Are they, are they losing? They were losing 2 nothing at halftime, and oh, wow. both Saliba and Ganduzi were in the 11, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so mm-hmm. I, I did think I saw that they were doing. I, I think there was a mad goal actually that popped up on my my feed. Um, but I'm sure Chris Carpenter's enjoying the game <laughs> very much. I'm sure, he is. Um, I mean, I got I, this. This popped up in my feed earlier on today, and someone put a tweet out. I think it was, I think it was a fairly well liked account actually. I think Lacazette at or something. I can't remember who it was. I'm probably quoting the wrong person, but they put up a video of the song goal from the game of Pablo Marie basically getting put on his ass and said, "How did Saliba not get into this team?" And I replied saying, "What better than our second choice left centre back?" I, I don't really see how that point. Kind of forwarded through the idea of Saliba going through because, sure, if if Saliba, if Gabriel would say I've got injured, right, and, and we'd have known about that or whatever, but we know Gabriel's going to be back pretty soon, and Gabriel is is going to be in ahead of Saliba, whatever happens. In my view, this season I want Saliba playing. I want him getting as many minutes as possible so that when he returns in 2022, he's in as best a possible condition and has a strong argument to turn around to Arteta and say, "Look, I've got a full season under my belt. I absolutely smashed it. I deserve a chance." Not 38 games in three years. I don't give, think that gives him the clout to be able to say I should be in ahead of Ben White or I should be in ahead of Gabriel right now. So I think people do need to get over the Saliba situation just for this season. It is what it is. It was poorly handled back in 2020. I think the club have done the right thing during this summer window with him, considering everything that's happened previously. And there may even be the fact that he doesn't actually want to be an Arsenal player anymore. We actually just don't know anything about that. But we'll just have to wait and see on that one but yes uh janice i i wish people would move on from it as well wayne says fabrizio romano just tweeted that arsenal are still very much keeping an eye on martin odegaard he's always been the main target as number 10 uh that's i don't that's is that news i don't he, he also <laughs> said that william is 100 percent 100 percent leaving <laughs> definitely going will not be staying at arsenal 100 percent so you know <laughs> we'll wait and see if that turns out to be true um there was another question i really wanted to highlight uh, we are nearly reaching the point of predictions uh, so let's see. Uh, James Rice says, Tom, why didn't all the ITKs announce the Joe Willock deal before Ornstein? Mm, I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. Uh, let's go to uh, Mr. Joe says, Owen, I completely agree. I don't trust KSC, but what other club or business would fork out to cover the poor business of the previous administration? How do you feel about that? Good. <laughs> that's the perfect short answer that we love here um let's go for john bamford who's been a very active person in the chat and john i don't agree with your point but we respect uh, the opposing view drew uh in the discussion around kind of the whole how much money arsenal have got to spend uh, and this thing about inquiries and we talked a lot about this in our tgt whatsapp group today uh why would they inquire if they weren't in a position to sign him him being martinez they wouldn't if they didn't have money why did they spend 50 million on white stop with this bogus <laughs> argument well how do you feel about this whole inquiry uh concept 
Because if I mean, if you're inquiring about a player, you obviously you know you, you're going to sign. I don't understand. I'm, sure, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, this is Drew. Well, I I remember I remember my single single days. All right, here's the way I would compare it. And I'm sorry, Drew. All right, I'm going to steal your thunder. Yes, I am. Sit back, and then um, anyway, right when I in my single days. I would slide. Where's this going? I would sl- <laughs> Nothing good from you coming. I love. I love doing these. Days. I love doing these because <laughs> the nerves on your face is what brings me joy. So amazing oh, it is. I would all go to like t- Tinder or whatever it is, and and like you'd send a girl. I really hope you don't like, even answer the question. I yeah, hope yeah, no, I'm not going, it at all. It's just, it's just a tangent, absolute nonsense. But I would slide into some girls' DMs that I would have absolutely no chance with, none whatsoever. But you want to know what? It's worth having a shot, and that's what we did with Martinez. It was nonsensical. There was no sense in it. We're never going to do it. But you want to know what? It's good to be in with that sort of company and and make yourself feel relevant. I like I, I like go I like story. I will a, I will answer the question because you're not gonna know if you're gonna want to spend the money that you're gonna be quoted or not quoted. No way you can find that out is by inquiring in the first place. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just because you're inquiring doesn't mean you're prepared to splash out. You wouldn't know what the player was going to be quoted as without asking first. Yeah. A lot of people just think that if you have money, you can just. How do we know? Like so without inquiring, say we inquired for Madison Lester only would want fifty million, and then we decided to offer. Um, uh, uh, 80 million before that inquiry then they're going to say well you're an idiot I'm taking your 80 million now and that's of course what you would have asked like that's why you're asking the question you know it's I don't understand I, I just I can't mine was lemon's terms of what Drew just said like, like, like it's, it's, so, yeah, it's so yeah. frustrating that like people just think that it's just like such an easy one two thing that takes five minutes and a transfer deal is done there's so many things that go into it and mm-hmm. part of negotiating is if, if Leicester say they want 70 million, it's within your due diligence to try to not spend 70 million to try to knock that price down. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. if you can, you can. And if you can't, then so if you decide, do we want to spend 70 million or will we move on to a target that's more affordable in our price bracket? Like, Christ almighty. Let, let, me, right. let me use an example that doesn't, you know, talk about dating. Um, <laughs> imagine that you want a car, right? You're after a hatchback. You go to a website. And imagine that website shows you loads of different hatchbacks. But no prices are on this page of hatchbacks. And the only way that you can find out whether one – and by the way – this website doesn't actually include cars that may or may not be for sale. You don't know whether they're for sale or not. They just say all of the, the hatchbacks in one town, and you're trying to find one to buy. You inquire by messaging the different people who own these different hatchbacks, one, if they're open to selling their hatchback, and two, how much that hatchback might cost. It doesn't mean that you're going to buy that specific hatchback, and that is effectively a much more PC way of saying what Owen was saying. So they, I mean, it was pretty PC anyway. No, I think, yeah, Owen, yeah. I think Owens was like spot on. It's exactly, it's exactly the same. Try thing. to punch above your weight. You really, That's yeah. And, and, even, and even just to say, yeah, why not? Like, like Wayne Gretzky says, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? So like you might as well just shoot a shot and see what happens. You can't win the raffle if you don't buy a ticket. Mm-hmm. Uh, as what's his face, Derek Ray would say, well, well I used to be playing FIFA. <laughs> Mr. Joe, says uh we'll kick ourselves over not getting Gwendy. Uh, yes I, I think we certainly will <laughs> I, think, I think we will yeah mm-hmm. definitely uh, anyway we are on the last 10 minutes of the show which means we move on to the final part which is as the first show of the season we actually get to look forward to a game on friday as we play brentford i'm going to ask for your thoughts about the game and a prediction and scoreline and scorer from you all we're going to start with john what do you think mate oh my gosh uh <laughs> 
I'm not I'm not gonna predict us losing. So I'm gonna say that we are going to win two nil. Score? I think um I think Obama Yang, I think he's gonna start the season off with a goal. Oh wow. He has to. He, the, I, I hope mean, he doesn't he has start, to. to be honest. <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> I think he will, and I think he's gonna get. Yeah. I think he's gonna start our season off scoring, and please, because he needs to get off the bat. We need the momentum. He can be a prolific striker. I don't know, man. What? Fair it's pre- <laughs> I don't know. Uh, chat box, please do be putting in your predictions and scores as well. We'll be going through plenty of those. Owen. Well, historically, we don't really do that well on opening days. Do we? How did we start from... last season? No, but that was Fulham. That was the first time in how long. <laughs> like that's literally one Brentford time. is like what the new the city of the the Premier League. The new right Fulham. Now? Yeah, it's a new. It's like oh well, that guy survived falling out of a plane without a parachute, so we should all do it. You know, everyone's saying that I'm on crack. Everyone's saying I'm on crack for thinking Aubameyang's going to score. Let me just let me clarify. I do not think Aubameyang's going to score. I hope. I thought Aubameyang you were going to clarify that you don't do that illegal. <laughs> um, no, no, they, they said crack, and I will neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> um, with that well, uh, uh, look it's Friday the 13th as well which uh, I'm not really superstitious oh, but I am <laughs> you know so what um, is wrong with you guys I, it, it's not true but it's true I'm not superstitious but I am like, what, this, this is the equivocal equivocal podcast oh, I never walk under a ladder put it that way um, so I'm going to go for a 1-1 one, one draw I think the Brantford are very I think they're a good side man and, and they run very very well and I think they're going to want to, to sort of make a statement and we're still fragile so mm. I'm going to go 1-1 one, one with Emile Smith-Rowe scoring ours Drew. I was tempted to go with 1-1, one, one, but I, I think we'll just squeak it. Um, I, I think it'll be an even match, so I, I don't think we're going to walk it. I think I agree with Owen. It's going to be an even match with Brentford. What are we doing? Because Brentford are actually a pretty decent side. I think they're more well-doing, and even Pony is going to be a real problem, so I don't know. What's so funny? It's just where we it's are. It's just a breakdown. It's oh. Just like, oh, God. I mean... <laughs> oh man! Yes, it is. I mean, it, I, I, we don't have to beat them. We don't have to open the season with a five-nil thrashing in Brentford. I just want to get the result. For me, I just want to start the season with points because we have to play Chelsea and City next, and I don't think we're winning either of those. So for me, it's I don't care if we win six-nil or two-one. I just want to get the result. I think Brentford are decent, and I, so instead, I think we're still fragile at the minute, and we're missing some key players still. So I think two-one is pretty fair. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I mean, I, I will give you my prediction, um, but as I said at the start of the show, uh, what you can do is try and predict the lineup uh, with the help of the Arsenal Review. Uh, you can, of course, play their Pick Your Team game. Link is in the description for that. And if you don't like fantasy football, you get points for how many right selections you get. Try and get in the head of Mikel Arteta and try and think about what he's going to do on Friday. And you could be in with a chance of winning £1,000 should you win across the entire season. So, again, please do go check that out. Um, I am going to go for a 3 deal win uh, on Friday, Mr. Optimistic, as always. Uh, no, I'm, I'm serious. I'm going for a big win. I think it's going to be one of those, and then we'll realise that we have to. Do, we, we don't need to make any signings whatsoever. Everything is right in the world, and uh, Lacazette is a world class striker. Bellerin's going to be our starting right back for the next five years, and uh, we'll move ahead with uh, with world domination. I think that's that's probably the way that it's going to go down. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. But I am seriously going to predict a three. I genuinely, yeah. I think maybe we'll have to do a CGT regulars 
prediction league maybe for scores uh, and uh, maybe that's something we'll do uh, what will happen though is i'll say we'll do that i'll ask for everyone's predictions and then i have to chase everyone to no, actually no, no. Get i i will happily i love spreadsheets i will happily take this on drew is it. in charge of the tgt regulars uh, should we do it just us four or are we going to include the others is that <laughs> i feel like it, i feel like it's too much i'm okay with whatever but i feel like it's going to get too complicated too what much we'll spreadsheeting is, for drew i'll send a speculative there's never too many drew. spreadsheets don't <laughs> <laughs> I'll send a speculative message to the, the WhatsApp and see if they're up for. But you know what will happen? Yeah. You'll, you'll get Raf arguing that we don't need to do this. You'll get, <laughs> <laughs> you'll get French backing him up, and then you'll get um... Mike going, what we're talking about, and throw some lewd sexual comments in there. So that's what's going to happen. Anyway, let's see what you guys have said in the chat box. And a massive thank you to Stephen Hogger as well for joining up as uh, our brand new member i hope you appreciate all the extra stuff that you're going to get hold of uh there's quite a few of you so we're going to have to scroll up a bit i won't be able to read out all of your comments but thank you everyone for throwing in your predictions nick says one one gp i'm loving your thinking mate four nil to the arsenal arch says one nil lacazette to score amandeep says uh one two tony lacazette and emil smith row to score paul guy says one one draw for me don't see us creating many chances. Mikey Central, oh, sorry, Mikey Cartel says 3-0 Arsenal against Brentford. Uh, Graham Yates says 3-2 Marseille. Pai has got two and Cheng is under. I, I bet it was all Saliba. I mean, <laughs> Saliba's behind all it. All Genduzi. Definitely so. Yo-Yo says 3-2 to the Arsenal. Rancy says 1-0 Arsenal. Pepe is going to score. Uh, Rit, uh, Ritian says 5-2 to us. That would be quite a game to kick off the season. Graham Yates says 2-2 Tierney and Pepe. Tom Sabol says 4-0 to the Arsenal. Rahul says 1-0 to the Arsenal as well. I'm hoping that is. Uh, Mohidin is just going to finish off the show by saying facts. Drew, thinking that uh, he's spot on about all of that. But thank you all so much, guys, for the predictions in the chat box. I'll try and highlight a few more as we are saying goodbye to the guys but thank you so much for listening please do drop a like on today's video and subscribe to the channel if you're new and give the guys a follow on social media other than owen he's hiding from you uh, but you'll be able to find him of course on the gooners but thank you owen for your time really appreciate it mate absolute pleasure buddy good to be on i, I always like getting the band back together we need to do this more often um but i'm going to do a shameless plug as well before we go um Ooh. i think i think on wednesday um check the gooners podcast twitter account just to just to confirm this but um we're going to be doing a 24-hour podcast um for gooners v cancer cool. um which is going to be awful for me <laughs> and probably for the people listening oh. um but yeah no we're going to have people like uh um Kevin Campbell, like Lee Dixon, I think Alan Smith, and then um, some podcast faces that you'll be familiar with, maybe including yourself, Tom. Uh, maybe yeah, I'm waiting to get my schedule for the new job, exactly. and then I can let you know. I was that's just going to say, so yeah. I think that's Wednesday at 7 o'clock. That's kicking off 7 o'clock UK time. Um, so uh, tune into that there. Yeah, please do. You can find them at the Gooners Pod, and please do. Uh, the link is in the description to go and donate for Gooners v Cancer, and keep an eye on the uh, the old FIFA tournament. It's not. It's. I don't want to hedge my bets too soon. You know what's going to happen. I'm going to say that it's going well, and I'm going to lose in the rock knockout stage. But I did win all six of my group games. For someone that deleted the game back in February, that's not too bad. <laughs> so uh, fingers crossed we can progress through the knockout stages, flying the TGT flag in the Gunas versus Cancer tournament. And there's a brilliant video coming out very soon. That's the tease I'm going to give you um, that I've been involved with, as have quite a few other exciting people. So make sure you keep tuned in for that. John, absolute pleasure to have you on, my son. And uh, I'd appreciate if 
you could throw up a Chicago Arsenal podcast to the Arsenal Chicago podcast would be great. Seeing as how how is the move? Is you enjoying the uh, the windy city? Oh yeah, the city's awesome. <laughs> I love Better than I love, Miami. That is. That I, is. I, I love Miami. I grew up. I was born like born and raised in South Florida, but um, it's definitely a change of pace. And like I love like the metropolitan feel of the city, and there's just so much to do. It's just such a cool city. I'm just checking on your uh, Twitter. You're, you are no longer called the Arsenal Miami podcast. No, it's just John now. It's yeah, just John. I don't know how I could be called the Arsenal Miami podcast if I live in Chicago. Living in Chicago. It. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, uh, congratulations on your move, mate. And Thank you. Uh, yeah, I hope you're enjoying it. And maybe there will be an Arsenal. Uh, I, I can't wait for you to meet up with Jared. That's what I want to happen. I want to see yeah, a picture well, of yeah, you two should... together. Once that's the once the, the season starts, I think they have this really cool Arsenal bar. It's called the Globe over here, and that's where all like the the Chicago Gooners meet up. And Amazing. you know, it's it's apparently really great. I, I think I've, I've been there once, so let me just say it is really great. But um, mm. I haven't been there for like you know, as a citizen of Chicago. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing some photos. Uh, and lastly, a massive thank you to Drew uh, as always for coming on, mate. Let people know where they can find you. Hi, you can find me on Twitter at Logic Lair, um, and then I write for 101 Great Goals, uh, You're My Arsenal, Get German Football. Um, I have an interesting project I'm also scheming um, that won't happen until mid-September, but uh, I'll speak more about that on, like, on Twitter later on. But yeah, you can find me there, and thanks for coming on the chat as always. Yes, and a massive thank you, as Drew says, to you guys in the chat box for continuing to stick with us, despite your favourite ITV2 programme being on at exactly the same time. And uh, I'm shamelessly going to go and catch up with that without the uh, benefit of adverts, which I can now fast forward straight through. Absolutely tactical, uh, as is. Uh, anyway, it's been an absolute pleasure, as always, to be with you all and to bring you this content, despite the result today and the uh, outlook of Arsenal not being the best. Please do go give a lot of love to the guys in the live chat box and in the comment section as well. And go give Drew a follow at Logic Lara on Twitter and John at 305cast and Owen at the Gooners pod as well. We will see you again very soon. I'll see you tomorrow morning for the 8am transfer update show for episode 98 uh it's gonna be 100 episodes on wednesday and still not made a major attacking third signing crazy scenes we'll see you again very soon guys and as always up the arsenal it's the 90 plus minute all your mates around and you've got a mcnuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfection Order now on the McDonald's app for your Mook delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.